0: Welcome to She Thinks A Podcast, where you're allowed to think for yourself. I'm your host, Beverly Hallberg, and on today's episode, we discuss a disturbing trend in America, the rise of loneliness. Some point to social media and the COVID pandemic of dry as drivers of the loneliness epidemic, but are they the sole causes? Well, in this episode, we'll discuss how marriage and family formation play a role in people's ability to, to connect, and why Generation Z is the loneliness of all generations. Finally, we'll discuss what you can do if you find yourself in the loneliness camp. And here to talk about all of this is Daniel Cox. Daniel Cox is the director of the Survey Center on American Life and a research fellow in polling and public opinion at the American Enterprise Institute. He specializes in survey research, politics, youth culture, and identity and religion. Before joining AEI, he was the research director at the Public Religion Research Institute. His work is frequently featured in the popular press, including the Atlantic, CNN, and the Washington Post. He is a contributor to to 538 and business insider daniel it is a pleasure to have you on she thinks today thanks for having me and i wish it was for happier reasons because as we as i just discussed we're talking about this epidemic of loneliness and i went to merriam webster to just look at the actual definition of loneliness and it's quoted as this being without company cut off from others sadness from being alone so obviously, loneliness is a sad topic, a sad thing, yet the data is showing that more people are lonely than ever before. So can you, first of all, break down some of those numbers for us?
1: Yeah, one, one of the, the studies that gets most cited in, you know, from, from the work that I've done on this topic uh, is from a friendship study that we did in 2021. And uh, what we did for that study is we looked at some Gallup data from the early 1990s and noted that a lot of these questions were still really, really relevant, but had not been asked in a really long time. So we asked some new questions, but then we also drew from that that old Gallup study to ask questions about: uh, Do you have a best friend? How often do you 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 know talk to your friends? Do you how many close friends do you have? All these questions about about friendship uh, that we thought were really. Relevant in, uh, you know, during COVID when we had sort of all withdrawn a little bit, our social lives were reduced. And so we asked these questions and really stunning results. We found that for both men and women, there's been a significant uh, decline from three decades earlier in terms of how many close friends they have. Uh, but the decline was really, really stark uh, among men. Men seem to be facing uh, a much more severe friendship recession. Uh, And just to give you uh, some numbers on that. So in 1990, um, just 3% of men said they had no close friends. Uh, If you look in 2021, that increased fivefold to 15%. Uh, Now it may seem uh, like that's not a huge number of people, but uh, 15% who said they have no close friends at all. Um, another significant number said they just had a few close friends. So the overall picture is one uh, in which, you know, we just have fewer close people in our lives. Um, it's not just friendships either. It's, it's members of our, our, our family as well. Our, our you know, families are shrinking. We're spending less time um, with our families as well. So this is all part of a bigger picture, a bigger story.
0: And I've often heard women say that they need friends, that they like the relationships. And I've heard plenty of men say that they don't need close friendships, that maybe their spouse is enough of a friend or they have kids. So do you find that the friendship is especially important for people who are single?
1: Yeah. So if you look at the empirical evidence, uh, so I know there's been these conversations, in, you know, uh, on a variety of, if you look at sort of like, you know, the male podcasts and If you talk to people, like people will sort of tell you based on their experiences, how they feel. I have two young kids. um, So, you know, solitude and repose is actually really, really great. I I like spending some time uh, on my own. Uh, But when if you look at the data that, you know, you ask about friendship and and companionship and and spending time with other people, we are social animals. We all derive enormous benefit from having uh, people who support us. Who we can rely on, um, who we can feel connected to, and and both men and women need this. It's not you know unique to one gender. Uh, so when we have close you know intimate relationships with our friends, uh, you know we're happier. We feel less lonely. Um, we we have we derive uh, you know personal support. Sometimes we can receive financial support. Like all all these different benefits um, come from having uh, friendships, uh, that we, you know, that we just, uh, need as part of our lives.
0: And oh, you said that this started by asking people about friendships. How did that then translate to looking at loneliness? Was this a question you specifically asked them and how do you measure loneliness? Is it how often you feel in a month that you're lonely or, or how to, how do you measure it?
1: Yeah. So, um, there's a different, number of different approaches. To this. So we try to get some objective measures to, to get an experience. So that is, you know, how often you see your friends, how many friends you have, do you have a best friend? Uh, the, the loneliness can come, you can be surrounded by people and feel lonely. Um, you could have, you know, 30 people on your, you know, favorite call list on your on your cell phone. And, you know, feel lonely an awful lot. So it's not just an objective measure of how many people you have in your life or who you feel close to. Um, Those are separate things. And and a lot of what we tried to measure uh, was just what is the objective reality and and experience for people. But we also asked some measures on loneliness. Do you feel like people who uh, support you, that kind of thing. Uh, So we tried to get at it both ways. And where we saw some of the most significant declines was just on how many uh, friends people said that they had. We found that people are less likely to have a best friend than they used to as well. And when, when it comes to men and women too, I think it's, it's really worth kind of hammering this point. Um, when men say they, they, you know, they don't need the emotional support from their friends, they're happy just to go out and play a pickup game of uh, basketball or play poker. But we know for a fact that men need emotional support too. And, and we actually see it out. Uh, this reflected in the data um, off, but for many men, it's, it's their girlfriends or their wives or a, a significant other, right? That that's the person that they rely on for emotional support. Whereas women um, rely on both their, their spouse or partner, but also uh, a constellation of different friends in their lives, all, often female friends. Um, and we also know that when men have female friends, they're more likely to rely on them for emotional support than when they have, when their are male friends. So again, that we see this in, in, in the survey research said that people do, um, men do seek this out. Uh, they just feel more comfortable in doing it in some ways than more than others.
0: And when people do feel lonely and you say this loneliness is increasing, how does that manifest itself and how people respond to loneliness? Do you see, let's say, negative impacts on how they relate to people, how they treat themselves, their bodies? How does that, how, how do you see that when you looked into this?
1: Yeah. So some of the best research out there uh finds really really uh stark effects of of being lonely so prolonged loneliness is i think some of the researchers found it was akin to um you know smoking like a pack of cigarettes a day right in terms of of its effect on your personal physical health obviously it's it's associated with a lot of mental health um, issues as well um depression uh anxiety All these things are are strongly correlated with feelings of loneliness. So, you know, it it has adverse effects across the board.
0: And what would you say to somebody that would say, well, the loneliness epidemic that we're seeing is largely caused because of COVID. Obviously people were forced to, to be apart. So many people's lives changed. They moved. Um, Some people are still afraid to have that connection with people for fear of contracting COVID. How much did COVID play a role in increase the increase of loneliness?
1: Yeah. So uh, it's a a really good point. You know, our our social lives were upended um, by COVID-19. You know, uh, for a long time, you know, we weren't traveling, we weren't seeing people. Um, so, you know, particularly for some people, if you didn't call your friends on the phone, you you weren't really talking to them at all, maybe other than an email or a text. So people who relied a lot on in-person relationships or the, the folks who they, you know, shared a pew with or uh, shared an office with, you know, those more casual uh, relationships, which are really important, um, those kind of drifted uh, away overnight, right? People lost those. Uh, so that was a, a really sort of significant factor. And so I you know when we kind of think about friendships, we, we focus a lot. My work particularly focuses a lot on close friendships and we know why they matter. But these more casual relationships, you know, friendly acquaintanceships, they matter a lot too, particularly when you think about how it impacts other parts of your, your life, those are the, the folks that more on the sort of peripheral ring uh, of your friendship circle who are more likely to help you connect to other types of people, to give you information that you might not be have access to, you know, whether that's a, a lead to a new job or a potential a romantic interest. And so those are also really, really important and COVID upended those. But we know in terms of the the broader changes in American society, the friendship decline predated the COVID stuff. When you looked at uh, Americans' uh, attendance in in church and places of worship, delayed marriage, like these are all things that have have worked to kind of contract our, our social circles.
0: And you even point out that Generation Z is the most lonely generation. Why are we seeing it more in young people? And is that directly correlated to what you were just saying there? It's the breakdown of our community, whether that's delayed marriage, whether that's uh, people aren't going to church as much as they once were, the breakdown of the family as a whole. Is that why you're seeing Generation Z more lonely than previous generations?
1: Yeah, so something that's worth knowing is that every uh, generation of young people has, they have unique struggles, but they are, they, they share this challenge of kind of creating a life for themselves and, and developing relationships often kind of out of thin air. So they often, if you look at, you know, 18 to 29 year olds, this is a, a difficult time socially in their life. So yeah, they tend to, to be much uh, lonelier than older Americans, who may be sort of settled down in a community? They are members of maybe the PTA, or they're married, or right, they're members of a church. And younger people are sort of sort of figuring out their place where they're going to be, their career. And so I think that that that's cyclical, right? That that'll happen every generation of young people will be somewhat more lonely than than when they when they're older. But but the unique thing for Generation Z is how they were raised. And I've written about this, uh, and I'm always like, don't be up you know, beat on the young people. A a lot of this is sort of an artifact of of their childhood. So if you look at Gen Z and for instance, the time they spend with their families having dinner together, that has changed dramatically. So baby boomers, three quarters of baby boomers had regular meals with their families. Uh, That has changed now for Gen Z. It's only 38% of Gen Zers that they had regular dinners with their families growing up. So an entirely different experience. If you ask questions about how lonely they felt growing up, Gen Z was also a lot lonelier, and I think part of this is they're they're less likely to uh, be raised in a religious tradition, so they're less connected to those kinds of communities. They uh, are being funneled into kind of enrichment and achievement activities. So whether it's music, uh, or you know sports camps, and and a lot of particularly from middle class and upper middle class parents. The idea is like you need these on your resume uh, to be having a successful life to get in the right school. But, the, but what it's doing is taking them out of their neighborhoods, you know, not allowing them the sort of free time to kind of roam and connect and socialize and build those really important social connections because they're spending all their time uh, burnishing their credentials for uh, a career for college.
0: And so what is it about the family meal? I find that so fascinating. Obviously, it's more than just the food. Is it the purposeful time that parents take to spend time with their kids? Is it just children just know when parents are focused on them and make them a priority? Is is that really the crux of it?
1: Yeah, I, I think, you know, whatever culture, you know, religious, racial, ethnic background, I think family meals are essential we we all live very busy harried lives so like we have few moments in modern society where we can spend some time uninterrupted time hopefully with our family members and 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 talk and, and share and connect and so i think you know if you take that away there's not a lot of time where where the whole family will often get together uh you know we're in an age two where most Gen Zers are being raised, if they're raised, being raised uh, by two parents, both parents are working. They're the first generation for which that is true. So with these kind of hectic, frenetic schedules, it's it's one of the it was one of the last places or last uh, activities that we that we had to pass on important information, to sh- share feelings, to connect again, all really really important. And and Gen Z uh, simply wasn't, uh, they didn't, weren't able to avail themselves of that kind of um, experience.
0: Well, what if it's a family meal, but the, the child is on their phone? How much does social media play a role in this technology? Even beyond the family meal, I think of how we communicate so much with each other through technology as you and I are today. How much has the digital age made us, I guess, less connected to each other really made us so we're disengaged in so many ways?
1: yeah, so people have very different and very strong views about social media. I tend to come down uh, on the the way it's used. And I think one of the biggest problems with social media is it's often used as a insufficient substitute for, you know, in real life social interactions. So instead of sitting at home, and talking to a friend on the phone, instead of going out and meeting a friend, going on a date, whatever, we're, you know, scanning TikTok videos or on Instagram and liking things or commenting on things. And it's a really, really poor substitute for, for in real life social interactions. And I think that's the problem, right? If you do both spend a lot of time on social media and you're very active, you live in a very active social life. I don't think that's, a huge problem, or maybe a, a problem in one way, but not in terms of, of creating and building a really healthy uh, social life. I think the, the problem is when we, we say, oh, well, you know, I, I didn't talk to anyone today, except for the people I interacted with on social media. And I think that's not a really great uh, use of time, but I think it's also not really a great outcome, right? That doesn't help you build really uh, healthy, stable uh, social connections.
0: Well, I remember when I first went from working full-time in an office to starting my own business and I was working from home. And I remember this time very specifically where I went to the grocery store and the first person I had talked to in person in several days was the person who was ringing up my groceries. And I remember thinking how odd that it, that was and that I needed to be more consistent with making time with friends. Because I think when you're in that office, you don't realize how often you do interact with people and how important it is. And I think especially after COVID, it, it is an important thing um, to be able to have those connections. And I want to pick up on something that you said there. You've talked a lot about family formation. You talk about single parents. So obviously, so many single parents are doing a great job out there who due to no fault of their own are picking up the slack for the other parent not being there. I think a a lot of parents would look at this and say, well, what do we do? What do we do? I'm a single parent raising my child. How do I help them so that loneliness isn't something that continues in their life or starts to begin with?
1: Yeah, it's it's a really difficult question. I've been single parenting just for a couple of days while my wife's traveling. And, you know, my... Hat and heart go out to uh, my ha- to my hat and my heart goes out to single parents. It's it's really really challenging. Uh, what we know from our research and other research, people, you know, children raised in single uh, parent households tend to be lonelier. They they tend to have uh, more academic problems. It's 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 you know a really difficult situation. For I think for many um, single parents, the one of the key things that they lack is time. Right. So between work uh, getting, you know, their kid, if their kid is in school, um, helping them with that kind of stuff. Um, spending just quality time together can be, can be really difficult, uh, even more so if it's a a, a joint custody arrangement. So one of the things I think that is really, really helpful is, is kind of relying on institutions to kind of help. So whether that's a religious community, whether it's sort of a, um, a sports league, a neighborhood group, some, some, Sort of more formalized structure where uh, you are kind of relying a little bit on a community of folks to sort of help uh, where where you're not able to do it right as a single parent, even two parents, you're not able to do everything. And I think that we've kind of lost that sense of like community building is is essential. Like you know, no no um, single person, even a you know very capable pair of parents, right? Like they. There's, we can't do everything. You can't work and be, you know, present at the kids' ball game all the time, right? So, um, having a, a, a community of folks helping out, I think, is really important.
0: Well, I want to take a brief moment to talk to you, our listeners. You may know the Independent Women's Forum is the leading national women's organization dedicated to enhancing people's freedom, opportunities, and well-being. But did you know that we are also here to bring you women and men on the go, the news? You can listen to our High Noon podcast, and intellectual download featuring conversations that make free society possible. Here, guests like Ben Shapiro and Dave Rubin discuss the most controversial subjects of the day. Or join us for happy hour with At The Bar, where hosts Inez Stepman and Jennifer Bracero's chat on the latest issues at the intersection of law, politics, and culture. You can listen to past episodes at IWF.org or search for High Noon or At The Bar in your favorite podcast app. And Daniel, before we let you go, I want to ask you a question about those of us who are adults. Maybe it is a young adult like Generation Z, but even those in millennials, um, Generation X, even boomers who are struggling with loneliness, because you know, this isn't just young people. You talked about the importance of community. Is, is that the answer for adults as well as getting involved in something related in your community and where you live more so than anything virtually that you may be part of.
1: Yeah, I, I think, you know, I'm no friendship expert or guru. Uh, right. But I think one of the important things to, is to leverage the, you know, the tools that you have. So if you're working, maybe uh, be, you know, get more involved in, in workplace social activities, you know, whether it's, it's happy hours or volunteering um, for, you know, other kind of social-based things at work. And we actually have a new study coming out that, that shows that women, uh, particularly college-educated women, are far more active, uh, engaged in social activities in the workplace. And it, it pays off for them, right? You know, we kind of think that, oh, it, the, you know, the only uh, reward you should get from work is, is financial. That's where you should put all your money and energy. But it turns out when you focus on the social side of things, you're actually much better off in, in really important ways. Not that the money doesn't matter. Of course, It does. So I think that's the kind of thing, right? So if you're, you know, kids at the school, maybe getting involved in the PTA, um, you know, again, leveraging the connections that you have uh, and, and just being uh, you know, available. You know, one of the things that we've seen in our data is that people who, who walk around their neighborhood a lot uh, tend to have more friends in the neighborhood. And I don't think uh, that's a coincidence.
0: So don't be a recluse. That's what you heard here from Daniel Coxby. so appreciate you joining us and sharing this important information. I think it's important for so many different people to hopefully get beyond the issue of loneliness. And people can check out your work at the American Enterprise Institute. Really important research. Daniel, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. And thank you for joining us. Before you go, Independent Women's Forum doesn't want you to know that we rely on the generosities of of supporters like you. Investment in IWF fuels our efforts to enhance freedom, opportunity, and well-being for all Americans. So please consider making a small donation to IWF by visiting iwf.org backslash donate. That's iwf.org backslash donate. Last, if you enjoyed this episode of She Thinks, do leave us a rating or a review. It does help. And we'd love it if you shared this episode so your friends know where they can find more she thinks. From all of us here at Independent Women's Forum, thanks for watching.